Leadership is the art of giving people a platform for spreading ideas that work. Welcome to DC Local Leaders, the podcast where we talk to C-suite leaders within the DC area. Our guests share their pathways to success and the important moments that impacted their careers. Lean in as we get the inside scoop on how they are shaping their industries, how they lead, manage, and connect with others. From the sectors of aerospace, defense, tech, IT, and more, this is Local Leaders. Your host has been making meaningful connections with industry leaders for over 15 years. Here's Philip Nathrum. Welcome back to the DC Local Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Nathrum, and thank you so much for spending some time with us today. If it's your first time here, please remember to subscribe and follow wherever you happen to be listening. Also, check us out on the web and sign up for our newsletter. That way you don't miss out on any of the great updates for our Monday mindsets, new episodes coming out, and ways to meet some of the guests that we interview. If you're looking for a mentor or you just want to meet someone to help you shift your mindset, sign up for our newsletter. I'd also like to connect with each and every one of you, so please use the link below to my LinkedIn page. There you can follow and connect with me. I'd love to be a part of your network and learn from your experience. Let's get connected. The DC Local Leaders podcast and platform are both continuing to grow. If you think your company would like to partner with us, please contact us today. You can find our contact information on the web at dclocalleaders.com or you can reach out to me directly through LinkedIn. Today's episode is with retired Lieutenant Colonel Kevin Pettit. He's a West Point graduate and Army Ranger and Airborne Infantry Paratrooper. He spent 24 years in the United States Army before exiting, and now he works in the government contracting industry within our SOCOM and intelligence community. He's also just a great person to get to know. I've had the pleasure of getting to know him over the past few years. We've actually gone skydiving together, and that was an incredible experience. We talk a little bit about skydiving in this episode and the work that he does with Jump for Valor. Jump for Valor is a nonprofit organization giving veterans an opportunity to do more than just talk therapy. They can take a skydive in the free fall and experience the growth that happens with that. Some of the other topics we discussed are accountability, not living in a zero defect culture, ego, vulnerability, what he's learned from earning a Ph.D. from George Washington University well into his 40s, what he learned from a street fight in Baghdad about alliance flipping. Check out Jump for Valor. There's a link below the show. We really want to do everything we can to support those guys. So let's get into the episode. All right. Welcome back. Today we are speaking with Kevin Pettit. He goes by KP. He's a partner over at Performance Systems based right here in Northern Virginia. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for agreeing to do this. You and I have gotten to know each other personally uh, and professionally over the last couple of years. And I, I wanted to reach out to you. And I know that you've been you guys have been working hard. You also have a lot of a lot of extracurricular activities that that just help you. At least you've helped me work in the opposite of fear. And I can only imagine that that does a lot for you during the day. So, so I appreciate you taking some time to, to chat with us today. Absolutely. This is great. So performance systems, what kind of group are you guys? We are a uh, service disabled veteran owned small business. And we do, we specialize in professional services for the government client. And then I like to say we do, you know, project management, program management in the TS space or in the top secret space. That's really our, our sweet spot. So we support federal clients and usually U.S. SOCOM or the special operations community, also the intelligence community okay. doing, you know, mostly cleared work. And so it's good. So it's it's consulting, but, you know, but some of it's, you know, kind of long term consulting. It's project management, but some of it's longer, longer projects, you know, year to year projects and whatnot. 
How long have you been around? We actually stood up in, in 2012 and then really 2014 was, was a great year for us. You know, we got on a, a good vehicle and, uh, you know, got in with the government right where we wanted to be. So we've been, we've been doing well since then. There's three main partners of the, of the group and you specialize in operations, you'd say. We, have, we go by the partner system because we wanted to be flat and fast. You know, as a matter of fact, we're, I think we're ahead of the curve. You know, the, the, we, we've been a, a virtual company for eight years now, or we've been a virtual company for eight years. So we don't have a building. In fact, that we'll say, you know, we're going to buy a corporate jet before we buy a building because hmm. buildings cost money. But uh, that, you know, that said, if, you know, when you get a government contract, most of those folks are on site at the government place. So that's, uh, that's kind of kind of what we do. I'm the ops guy. If we had this structure, I would be the COO. We have a CFO and then we have a really a finance finance guy. And do you, do you know how many, how many folks you employ at least on the government sites? We have, we have 14 folks that are on and we're, you know, I'd say, uh, we're not, we're not winning any small business awards today, Yeah, but you know, you know, we love our folks. And so you've got 14 people and that gives you an opportunity to connect personally with those 14 people in a very different way, right? Oh, that's, that's where the juice is for me. You know, I'm, you know, I'm a capital E extrovert, maybe only slightly smaller than you because I know you to be (laughs) that too. But you know, I get my juice from people, right? I, I, I like that interaction and, and, and whatnot. And we've got great folks, you know, most of our folks are former Intel professionals or former special operators who have turned around and, and are now contracting back to the government through us, right? And that's that's the, the business we're in. So the, so the people are great yeah. and, and the mission's really good. So, and do you, I, I don't want to use the word only, but you hire a lot of former military. We do. You know, we compete very, very well in the SDVOSB or the service disabled. And so that, you know, when the government buys that service, they have an expectation that you're going to know this business because because you are service connected. We also have, you know, we do mostly cleared work, classified work. So, and, and that's a great, you know, most folks get their clearance from the government some, and then they, they come on in a different capacity. I mean, so, and you started, I mean, this company started, you said 2012. What, and that was right when you got out of the military. What about your partners? Were they already out or, or how did that work? How did you guys even meet each other? You know, we're, my, my, there's two operating partners, me and Jason, Jason and I were, we were classmates at West Point. And so we knew each other back there and, and, you know, we both went to the infantry and at 10 years in the infantry, he said, you know, Hey, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to change and go functional area. I think I'm going to leave the infantry and go functional area acquisition and learn this acquisition buying game. You know, and I looked at him like, you know, good luck over there, you know, with all the pocket protector guys and all, all that. Well, as it turns out, he, he's a genius. You know, he was on the buying side of the government. He understands the acquisition process. He understands how proposals work and, and the federal acquisition regulations, the FAR, and, and, and he understands how money moves through this town. And he's a genius, and I'm just a guy. Yeah. You know, so in the end, you know, that's, that's how we, we made a great partnership because, you know, I have connections to the community where we get work and and I'm the you know the bright smiling face and he's and he's the numbers and contracts and and you know he's the detail guy so you're in the army I was a ranger I was ranger. an army ranger in the in the ranger regiment and in the airborne infantry for 24 great years how'd you come by the army did you know you wanted to do that military family you know I had a military family and my dad was a marine and then you know when you're 18 years old and he he was had been wrong about everything else, you know. So when he, so he said, "Don't, 
you should go to the Marines, but don't go to the infantry. So I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to listen to either one of those things because for some reason I was smarter, you know, at 18 than him. But, but there's an interesting, you know, I was, I was a wrestler and I was captain of the wrestling team in my high school. And there was a culture in that team that the captain of the wrestling team went to a service academy. It had happened about six or seven years consecutively. And so when I became captain, it was just a natural thing for me to, you know, to start to apply and, and all that. So it was, it was great. Those guys would come home during their winters and wrestle with us during the winters and they were our heroes. And so that's, uh, that's kind of how I got tripped on that. You grew up around here? I grew up uh, in Southern California. Okay. In Southern California. And you know, my uh, good friend was had gone to the Air Force Academy and I thought I was going to go to the Air Force Academy and his dad who was an FBI agent you know kind of sat me aside and said hey you know the if you look at the so I had I had applied to the service academies West Point and uh, Air Force and he said you know when you look at the at the at the plane at the terrazzo you see monuments of the Air Force Academy you see monuments to machines and you look in West Point you see monuments to men would you rather lead machines or would you rather lead men and man when you're 18 years old that was compelling right so that was that was my big leap and I I, I changed my course from the Air Force Academy to the to West Point and, and went that direction and I, I mean I'd say it, it happened right I mean you're a leader of people now for sure you know definitely an influential guy when I, when I see you out in the community and with other people that we we happen to know together but you know there's an interesting story about you in the army where you had two separate paths right where you had to choose from and and I, I really want to get you to tell us about that and how you made that decision, what it was. You know, it's interesting. I was a captain, and that's kind of the about your 10th year in service. And, and, you know, General Petraeus, who at that time was Colonel Petraeus, was, our, was my commander. And he was calling us in, and he wanted to know what you were going to do because your afterlife, after commanding a company, you know, that was important. So, you know, you, I, we basically, I had two paths. I could go the academic route and, and go to advanced civil schooling, go get a master somewhere and, and then, and then probably maybe teach back at the academy or, or become a planner, or I could stay tactical and then stay in the tactical world. And, and it was a very, very tough decision for me. You know, I, I, how old were you at this point? I was just, 27 28 it's a big decision right because that kind of dictates what the rest of your your time in the military is likely to look like based on that decision there did you have mentors did you have other people like does the military work that way where like do they give you time to make this decision and then you could you could ask other people for their advice i mean we sure did i mean we you know we got i i i think the mentorship program in the service is phenomenal so so you know but these these some of these decisions are very personal yeah. And so anyway, I, I, you know, cast my lot and it's funny because my, you know, general portray said, Hey, what are you, what are you bad at? And you know, what didn't you do well? And I said, well, you know, actually I failed math in, in the academy uh, a couple times before I finally got it right. And he said, you should, you should go back to school, get a graduate degree in math and go teach math. That would show the army that you, that you, you know, shored up your weakness. And I thought to myself, I am not doing that. So I told my buddy that, and the next day he went in for that interview and the, and the, and the colonel said, you know, what are you bad at? He's like, I'm bad at ranger operations, you know, because <laughs> China, you know. So he wanted to get what he wanted. He wanted to get what he wanted. So he went the other direction, which is funny, but, but it was good. I mean, as we talked about, right, I, I, I love my career. I love my decision and, and that was great for me. And then in retirement, I got you know, I got to go back the other way and go back to academia and kind of yeah. do that thing. And 
So you you retired after how many years in 2012? 24. After 24 years in 2012, you retired. And then, so taking the advice from your general, you then went back to school. What, uh, what was the first step to that? You know, I, I went back to grad school and, you know, it was funny because, you know, I was just the oldest guy walking around campus. And uh, Where'd you go? I went to George Washington University downtown okay. in D.C. And so I, I jumped in a Ph.D. program in international relations. How old are you at this point? Man, I'm 40-something, 40 five maybe and so all those young kids you know they pick up stuff so quick and I you know I was the slow learner right I you know what I learned is is there was no more late nights for me I can't burn the candle into the night anymore because I guess I'm just too old so my my jam was to wake up at three in the morning and then do all my work you know and then the day would start that was a better jam for me which is different than when you you know you were we were young and rock and roll on this um, but anyway, I had a great, uh, you know, it, it took me about eight years to, to rock it. I had, you know, but I wrote a full dissertation and and finished uh, the PhD recently with just a bunch of great mentors and, and leaders in the academia. So you're now Dr. Kevin Pettit. That's what they say. That's what it says on the, on the paper. So right. I'm happy about that. And you're also a colonel. And I'm also a retired lieutenant colonel. So... So what's that? Uh, what's that LinkedIn page going to look like? Is it going to say Doctor, Lieutenant Colonel, RET, retired, Kevin Pettit, comma PhD? That you know, I hadn't hadn't thought about it. I hadn't thought about it. Right. I that's uh, you know what identity? If they if they set out outside in the street, they were giving out free sandwiches to Irish Catholic guys. Right. I would I. I would identify as that, right. so I could get a free sandwich. So right, right, you know, right. whatever it is that they that they want to, you know, yeah, whatever you need, right? I'll I'll pull that up as my identity. Yeah, but most people just call you KP. Most people call me KP. So you picked up a lot of leadership skills. You don't. I don't think you become a, a lieutenant colonel without knowing how to lead other people. How would you say? I mean, I'm assuming that you use those skills on a daily basis in doing what you're doing. I think without a doubt, you know, the you know the government requires tasks and missions and and they require things and our people do that and it and i have to keep the people going you know i I have to keep them motivated and keep them going to work so so i do i do think that that's uh where that comes i mean i have a i have a maybe i have a character defect that i am you know i i'm i'm so afraid of letting someone down and so every day you know i won't eat again until i know that you're happy and you have everything you need and that you're you know resourced and that you're rocking and rolling and that you're making the client happy and, and all that I, I just so that that i think is probably the you know the home run ball for me i mean that sounds like some huge accountability that i'm going to make sure that i supply you with everything that you possibly need to be successful and 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 i won't allow myself to let up until i know for sure i've done that I think the only uh, drawback to the business that we do is, you know, when we started a company, we, we I envisioned that it would be a very close-knit family. And, and then when you're working in classified work, you know, you, you're not allowed in anyone else's office because you can't get read in on their specific thing. So, so that creates a little bit of distance, you know, to protect the security of that. So, you know, we don't get to, you know, every day call up. In fact, all my employees cannot bring their cell phone in their office right so so we you know we have to message each other in in different ways and at different times and whatnot so it's that creates a challenge getting a family you know creating a family atmosphere 
Is that, so is that the culture you were going for? You wanted it to be a family feel? We, you know, it is, we do want a family feel because I, that's just a great way place to be, right? If you're going to spend time at, at work, I mean, we, you know, we, all of us spend more time doing work than we do anything else. And so, and that's our, usually how we identify ourselves is by our work. So it just has to be good. So, you know, one of the things that I am, um, supporting is you know this business about you know everybody makes we're all human and we make mistakes and so you know uh, we don't have a zero defect culture and that's you know one of the things that we we push hard on so but but i have to do that you know kind of non-standard i have to do that during different hours of the day using different mediums and, and and talking and connecting with people in a different way we don't have a zero defect character culture what does that mean that means you know the it would be awful to, well, you know, the, it, there's a popular movement now about, you know, the cancel culture and then that, you know, you might say something wrong or, or then you would get canceled and, and, you know, it's social media based and it's a phenomenon I'm sure you're, you're familiar with. But, you know, what, what I think is terrible about that is you can, you know, be a, a football coach or a teacher or a congressman or or something for 25 years and then make one mistake and that mistake defines you and we're going to fire you over that i just think that that's wrong right people people make mistakes and then they if they you know understand that they own up to the mistakes and they try to do better and that's just a better a better way to go so yeah the accountability um, that's that so the cancel culture in my mind is a zero defects culture you know you cannot do any do or say anything wrong or that's it for you it's just a bad way to live. How do you promote that within the within the organization? Then how do you how do you share that? Hey, we don't have a zero defect culture here, but also promote the accountability to own up to when you did something incorrect, or especially with with your the security clearances that are required and and just the stakes at which you guys are servicing the government and, and intelligence and things like that. But how do, how do you even communicate that to the team? And what do you say to them? What does that sound like? I think the, you know, the mission is so good. Everybody's, first of all, that, you know, that the mission is, is, is so important and so clear that everybody gets along together. That's kind of the first thing, having a good mission. If you don't have a good mission, you know, then it's necessary to create one. But for us, you know, I think it's modeling, you know, you just have to model that. And so I tell those guys when it's, you know, during the pay periods or whatever the case, I'll call them and, and say, you know, I am the worst, worst pay guy in the entire world however i have i want to double check this to get all the numbers right because you know i I, we can't mess this up right Mm -hmm. this has to get right so i think expressing vulnerability you know i think whenever me or anyone in the the team makes a mistake that we're just quick to say hey man we really messed that up we here's what we thought here's the decision we made and it was it was a bad decision and so we're going to reverse that right i think I think getting your ego out of the way and just being able to do that is super, mm-hmm. is, is the way to go in terms of modeling, you know, mm-hmm. zero defect. There's, there's no de- zero defect here. Where do you learn that, that idea that, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable and admit that you, you've made a mistake and, and to be accountable for what you've done and just kind of move forward? Was that? Oh, I learned that as a follower, right? Because I've, I've worked for people who did not do that. And then, right. you know, that's, that's what you get to know. If, if you know if folks are wrapped up in their ego or they you know they have a belief and they're and they're pushing on that belief and and then you know things aren't beginning to work out but they don't have the courage to to say you know maybe i'm wrong on this maybe right. i should 
you know, change direction. So, that, you know, if you're around that long enough, then you get to you get to see that. Did you, and it sounds like you made it a point that when you, you know, with your people in this company, in this culture, you want to make a difference and you want to, you want to be different from that way. You know, you, I, I think it's the, the natural way of the world. You know, you, you, when I got out of the army, I, I worked for a company and, and they were a good company. And so I got good mentorship, but you know, they were brilliant on my first day of work in, in the civilian sector, in the private sector, that everything they said was brilliant because I knew nothing. You know, two or three years later, they're making decisions and I'm I'm second guessing those decisions because I have a little game now. You know, I got mm-hmm. a little little mojo about that and not in a pejorative kind of way, but you know, yeah. I'm like, hey, here's a jump ball. It can go either way. This is my recommendation. And they'll say, well, you know, we're going to go the, an, another way on this. And I think, and you begin to think to yourself, well, someday when I'm in charge, right, I'm, I'm going to do it my way, right? right. Or, or whatever. So, so that's kind of, you know, the, you, you get in, when you stack up enough of those, then uh, at some point you're like, man, I got to hang my shingle and right. see if I can make a run at this. It sounds like you were making some mental notes. You mentioned mentorship. What, what's, what's, what's your days look like now? Do you have mentors in your life to help you get better at running the company or just in personally get more than one for different reasons? You know, the two, I do have mentors in my life and, and, and the, the two places to find them, one is, is kind of the big companies that we work you know they've got kind of a large set of executives and and that's that's not a very very personal relationship i have with those guys it's it's very business but it's interesting for me to see how they make decisions given their information probably the the mentorship that i enjoy in the business world is is a closer you know there's a couple of businesses that are medium size or just about to they you know they broke out from being small and they're either medium or going to big and then and, and that's a little closer right i i can think of some consulting groups that are doing that and 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 so that's where i you know i get most of my yeah. um juice from it's got to be a lot of pressure to run a company and, and to be responsible for 14 other people how do you as an individual prepare yourself to do that and do you have people that help you or teach you how to do that or you know i think the people part is you know i continue to muster up the skills that i had that i got in the army and you know that was the i guess what i call the young man development business for for a quarter of a century there and then moving forward on that i i think you you know you i i I do read a lot and and i try to stay in tune i don't have let me think i'm i'm you know, it's still most of my, my army mentors who are out in the business world, who I'm close to, who I have an affinity for, who I have connections to that, you know, that probably do that for me. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, what are you reading these days? I am, I'll read anything by John Mearsheimer. I think John Mearsheimer is, is fabulous. You know, Jonathan Haidt is a, is an author I like. He's a, he's a social psychologist and he, he does a number of things, you know, about kind of the self-righteous mind and some of the cognitive biases that we live with every day. And, and so that's that's probably that's what I'm reading right now, which I'm super interested in. Yeah. And I, and we, I, I, we should go back to this. What was your Ph.D. in? It's in international relations, which is, you know, it's political science, international relations, which is a field in which we study states how states behave and what how states interact with other states. But I, I am really a comparative politics, politics guy, which is sub-state. So, you know, my, my, my big thing was, you know, when I was in the Army in 2007 in, in Baghdad, w- during the surge, 
you know, the there was fighting on the street corner every day, and 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 I was just coming in to take over. My unit was coming in to take over at that time, and then one day peace broke out, and the sun was shining, and birds were chirping, and you know, the insurgents in Baghdad had flipped from Al Qaeda. They had an alliance with Al Qaeda. They flipped from Al Qaeda to the U.S. And so I came into the period that they had just flipped. And so I wanted to know, hey, where did that decision come from? You know, this is my third tour here. Has, did anything before, you know, factor into this? Or or is this all about your survival? Is it all rational? You know, you you know, why is it that, what's the logic of alliances and alliance flipping for those guys? And so that became my big question, which I got to answer, you know, in 415 pages in eight years. You know? Nice. So. Does it feel good uh, being a, like, being finished with it probably feels great, but does it feel like an accomplishment? You had your conversation with General Petraeus mm-hmm. back, you know, 27, 28 years old. Does it feel like an accomplishment now, or do you have any kind of emotions at all about like going back and doing sort of like what he recommended for you to do and feeling good about that? I do. I mean, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time celebrating these things because, you know, I don't know, it's not good for the humility yeah. scale, right? But, but I do think, you know, for kind of a great path that I was taught and that I continue to teach is if you're interested in something, then you should pursue that and then collect it up do it, get the qualification, whatever, do it. And then you get to decide, is this what I want to do or not? And and in the end, you know, you, you'll have a bunch of tools in your kit bag. And even if that's not what you want to do, right? So I, you know, project management is, you know, not my favorite thing to do in the world, but I have built a, a company around it, right? And so I understand those people and I have those tasks and I can I can do those kinds of things. You know, national security, I don't, you know, consult on national security every day, but I, I love the topic. I love the, the field. I love the people. I love all that. And, and, you know, somewhere along the way, I collected up these, these little, you know, pins. And, and the next thing you know, you have a collection of pins and you can reach down to any of them. I think that's a better, a better frame to, to look at that. That's awesome. So I know that you like to skydive. How'd you first get started with skydiving? It was funny that, you know, I was a army paratrooper for a long time, and and for my after I retired, my wife for my birthday, she bought me a tandem skydive. To which I thought, oh man, this is going to be nothing. I already got this. You know, it's not that exciting to me. And then I went on it. I had never had the free fall. I had never had the you know the steerable canopy and all that. And I fell in love with it. And so wait, you never had. Well, how did you how did you do it in the army? In the army, you know, you're very low. You're at a thousand or twelve hundred feet, and you're attached to the airplane with a static line. So when you jump out, there's no decision to make. You your your parachute is pulled for you. It's a big round parachute, so it's not steerable. I mean, think about it. If you jumped, if you put, you know, sixty four, eighteen year old kids in the air with steerable chutes they would steer yeah, into each other and kill each other right so you just give them a round parachute that they can't steer and physics separates them and it, it works every time right it's it's masterful so so here i am on a sport parachute you know we have a decision to make which is to pull you know to deploy the parachute. an important one an important one it's the only one going on right at that moment, it's the right? only one to focus on at that moment in time and and then you know you 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 do that and the free falls magic and and you know I love crossing the threshold of the of the door when you're standing in the airplane looking two miles down. You know, 
survival kicks in. Your body does not want to leave mm-hmm. the safety of that aircraft, but you have to make it. I love that tension, and that that's it's good electricity for me. And then the free fall is great, and pulling is is a special moment. Mm-hmm. And then canopy piloting, you know, piloting the canopy around. I just it it, it became a great uh, vocation. What do you think that does for your psyche? Right, that that sort of because there how, how high are you in a in a in a plane when you're when you're jumping not in the army right regular not in the army 13 5 14,000 feet so it's high so you know i've i've been skydiving before and i i don't think that there was ever a time ever before doing that that i've been in a plane with the door open like that just doesn't happen right and the place i went you know it's you want to jump out of this plane like there's duct tape everywhere it's kind of it's weird there's noises that shouldn't be this like i'm probably better off jumping out so it's kind of like there's that but then when you're sitting there looking out it never feels like this is an awesome idea like i'm i'm in a moving plane that has an engine and a dude that i hope knows what he's doing and here i am with a piece of cloth that i'm hoping is going to work out well right but i did it and I did it. I realized that on the other side of that, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. It wasn't as bad as I made it out to be in my mind. That whole predicting what the future was going to feel like and what I thought it was going to be like was very, very different. In fact, I enjoyed it. And it was so much more fun than I'd ever given it credit for. And it was a, a freedom, right, that I had never experienced before. It was weightlessness. This must be what skinny people feel like all the time. <laughs> You know, like it just and and it wasn't loud. It was very quiet up there considering that you're falling and that there's wind blowing, but it's very peaceful. And at least for me, I found that to be metaphoric. Maybe I don't know that like things that scare me. It's probably a good idea to do it anyway, because I may it may be wrong about what it's like on the other side. Did did you experience any of that? A hundred percent. I mean, I, you know, skydiving and some other extreme sports get a rap for people that are like adrenaline junkies but i I don't think that's a good characterization i think more so that crowd is defined by you know mindfulness because it's you know you you do step out into nothing and and there's a weightlessness and then when you're in free fall it's almost timeless it's very very peaceful you know and i think that is more of a juice than for sure and do you think did you was that mirrored at all when you thought about hey you know i think i want to leave this company that i'm working for and try something on my own uh, was there you know you you definitely have to have you know when you st- start a, a, a company you know then some of the other stuff that hollywood would make you believe i guess the big move is is leaving a company and then starting your own gig that's a big move you know stealing second yeah you got to be out there alone and unafraid so you know you 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 want enough you you have to know that you if you're going to steal second like that you you want to know that you train you want to know that you're fast you want to know that you you know how to get a good jump. You know, you want to know all the information. You want to know about the, the pitcher's arm and you want to know the, the, the pitcher's moves and how long he is in the windup and the catcher and how good he is. And, and if you can gather all that stuff up, right, you can reduce the risk and then boom, you take your risk. And I think I think jumping out in a company is like that. I think it, it's smart to get info about just about everything and then you're going to bet on yourself, right? You're, you're betting on yourself that you're going to be able to do it. What was the lead time in between the time you had the initial thought, I think I want to try to do this on my own, 
to the time that you actually partnered up with your your partners and and went and did it like what to to get that information the pitcher's speed and all the things you use the the baseball analogy for how long did that take you and did you have a did you know what to do did you have a thought process or did you figure that out as you went i actually you know when the company formed my business partner said hey come on or my two partners the, the money guy and the and the operating partner said come on and i said no i, I can't do that i i just got out of the army and i don't even know how to do my own taxes you know and I, I i i can't immediately start working in my basement i just i need more you know and so 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 the company formed and i was not a part of it and it was probably about 18 months in that my you know partners started to kind of do all the housekeeping that you need to do you know we and and got it stood up and meanwhile i was over you know in i guess the corporate world figuring it out saying you know this is not that bad i i i was afraid of what i couldn't see i didn't know how the game worked but it's not that hard and you know i got the confidence finally to to jump back over to essentially what something that he had set up it's kind of like riding you know riding in that that little airplane going up to make the jump right we haven't jumped yet but you're riding up in that plane and it's terrifying because <laughs> it's the ricketyest thing you could think it's like i don't even know how I, the, the very first time I went, because I went twice, I was happy enough to go with you, actually, that, that second time. But that first time, you know, the pilot came walking by us with duct tape. And I was just kind of like, I don't, what is that for? Like, that just wasn't what I expected to see. I expected to see, like, a professional-looking guy that I would, or person that I would trust that knew how to fly the plane. He was drinking a smoothie. Like, he wasn't, like, he just didn't seem like he was, in, like, he just, I don't know. Yeah, I expected him to be checking instruments or doing something. Like I've, I've been on planes. Like they look like they're, they're cautious and they're touching stuff and they're making sure that things are working. This guy was just kind of hanging with. The, he was a guy inside hanging with us. I thought he was just waiting in line to jump. He wasn't. That's yeah. the guy that's going to fly the plane. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of lot of fear, but it just wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, and it didn't look anything like. I mean, it just wasn't, wasn't that bad. It's funny that, you know, we pick up all these signals. You want your yoga instructor to be really limber. You want your doctor to be thin and not smoking. You yeah. know, you know, these are the things that make <laughs> that we look and make us feel good. Well, I mean, you know, I'll take off with those guys. Those pilots are good. I'll take off with them, but I will not land with them. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to do that on my own. Right. So I, I don't care what they do up there. After right. That. As long as they can get yeah, it up. But that, that was a lot of fun. You know, when we went together, that life's all about incentives. I, I now take people on tandems and, and I tell them, hey, look, I, I have plans with my wife tonight, so this is going to work out. Yeah. You know, you know, I, we're going to be hooked together. And if I didn't have plans, it could go either way. Right. But I have plans tonight, so I'm going to make them. Right. You know, we're going to be fine. So, so life's about, you know, incentives. The guy I was going to go uh, tandem with, he comes up to me limping. He's like, it's not what you think. Like, it was, you know, this happened in the parking lot. You're fine. But because I looked at him and I gave him an eyebrow, like, but how'd that happen? Like what are you doing like did you fall you know interestingly i got to take two great things and put them together i took my vocation you know or my my pleasure which is skydiving and bring it together with business i i it was the brainchild of another guy but i am on a board of a nonprofit called jump for valor where we you know we go to folks that are getting out of the service and and they had when they were in the service they had small unit camaraderie they had a social group they had you know these things and then when they get out sometimes they suffer loss and they don't have them 
and and before they turn to drinking and drugs or other nefarious social groups we grab them up and we we bring them skydiving so every every year we have a big uh, opportunity you know we a big boogie that's a skydiving party's called a boogie throwback to the 70s you know and we had a guy who's uh you know we sponsored him as part of as the nonprofit we got him his skydiving license he's a below the knee amputee and and we had an event here in Maryland 2 weeks ago and and you know one of his company mates from Baghdad who's a skydiver saw that he on social media so came down another guy who was in the company from DC came up so we had one guy in a tandem and two guys skydiving and these guys had not seen each other since 2007 Baghdad you know so it was fabulous we got to we got to do that so he, here I you know took something part of my life I'm passionate about and and part of the you know part of essentially my my both my company and my free time right and and put them all together and, and got to pursue these kind of things so that's that's you know the, the greatest moment yeah yeah it sounds like you found a way to, to do all one thing right instead of you know you've got your work life and then you got your personal life and then you've got your former military life and you've got your friend circle and then you've got your your wife and everything it sounds like you found some consistency in your life Oh, you got to put you know you got to put these things together in a way that makes you happy because otherwise it's just miserable, right? Why right. would why would we want to be miserable? Right? Why would we want to do it? What's your everyday look like? Do you have a morning routine? Do you have a daily routine? Like, how do you keep yourself you know in shape or keep your mind sharp? Or you know, as a leader, I, I ask everyone this, right? I mean, some people prayer and meditation. One guy was a triathlon guy. One woman, you know, she's got a morning routine of like she sits in silence, she does her reading. That's her time, right? Her kid before her kids get up, and like, what about you? I would love to tell you I get up and go to the gym, but I just don't do that anymore. You know, no, I, you don't I, do a PT regimen. I like, don't do it anymore. And so my, but the morning time is, you know, cognitively when I'm I'm most switched on. So so I usually uh, get up in the. 435 30 range and then I am down sitting at my desk at you know at about 06 kind of doing the homework that I need to do and the prep work that I need to do to be ready for the day our duty day starts at 8 and so I have a, a good you know I have thought about all the ideas and made the trade-offs and thought about decisions and things and and whatnot so you know if you're in our if you're in the company and you show up at eight flat-footed you you're going to get smacked by KP who's got a ton of energy and has been thinking about this stuff for like three hours, you know? And so, so that's probably the, the big regime for me. And then somewhere in the afternoon, I'll, I'll gear it down a little bit. You know, that's interesting. There's some people that are night owls and some people that are, you know, first thing in the morning. And it's, I think some of the challenge for a lot of us is figuring out which one we are and not shaming ourselves for being that one versus the other one because we read something or someone else tells us we should be this, right? Some people can say, oh, you have to work out in the morning because that's when you get the most benefit. Or some people say, no, in the afternoon after the, you know, the brain is done, whatever it's done. But you figured out that you, you're, you're your sharpest in the morning. So you get up early and then you do some work, right? I also had to figure out that I was amenable from working from home, right? Not everybody is. And so I guess more people are now in the pandemic, but, but you have to, you know, you have to be that guy. Maybe you have to, put on you know slacks and a jacket and shave and so that you sit down and you're ready to go if you sit there and in your pjs unshaven maybe you'll never get started right yeah. so i had to go through all that stuff how do you what was that like did you i mean obviously you made some mistakes i'm assuming i made some mistakes and yeah. you know i had to i just had to 
be honest with myself about when I was on it and when I was not, when I was, you know, cooking with fire and, and, and when I was, it was a slow burn. So, you know, it's interesting. I, I originally thought that when my wife began to work also inside the home, you know, she, telework from inside the home, I, I said to her, you know, I promised to love, honor, and cherish you, but we were not meant to be coworkers in the same space, right? <laughs> so we, so we had, we invented a third person to blame, you know, so she'll come down and say, hey, did, did Margaret leave dirty dishes in the common area? Because that's really inconsiderate, you know? <laughs> and so that's how we communicate, you know, through this. She'll come down there and say, you know, boy, it doesn't smell that good down here in your office. Was Margaret just here? Maybe we should talk to HR about right. about her hygiene. You yeah. know, and, and I'll say, you know, you know, is Margaret around? I heard her on the phone, and when she's on the phone, she speaks very loud. Yeah. And other people who are trying to have conversations can't have this. You know, so that's our <laughs> yeah, that's your thing. That's our thing to send it back and forth in a nice way. That is awesome. You third party it onto another person. Yeah, that doesn't exist. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So you guys have been married what ten years? Yeah, we, we just hit 11 years, so it's, it's a good it's a good partnership, it's a good union. I hear a lot of, I hear a lot of accountability from you, personal accountability, and and I think it's a it's an incredible message for anyone who's listening, especially other leaders, but also you know people that are hoping to one day be in the leadership a leadership role. What does that actually look like for you, though? Like, do you journal things out? Like when you're going through your process of trying to figure out, am I a morning person? Am I not? Or because we were just talking about that. And how do you do that? Do you just, I mean, do you sit and think about it? Like, are you visual? Like, how do you know, do you write down the mistakes you've made and try to figure out, all right, what, what was I doing that made me, what's the common denominator? Like, what do you, what's your process? You know, I, my process evolves because the environment continues to evolve and you have to stay with it right now i'd say that i am writing almost everything down i write down all my tasks and and sometimes i sequence them in in the way that they need to be done and then i if i you know when i complete them i check them off and if i'm happy with the way they're completed i'll i'll check them off and make a note and if i'm unhappy right i will also make a note so that's my way to to think things on this i mean i'm in a very people business so you know a lot of it is is communicating with people and that is always you know a super learning event and you just have to you know you you not be satisfied with where you are and not be unhappy with where you are but you know there's always places to grow and 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 room to go what would you say would would be a successful year as an individual but then also from your business how do you guys measure success and what are you doing about that we're you know when i left the army I got I got the awakening, you know. In the army we were we were paid for a number of things. We were compensated for building teams and developing leaders and you know, teaching ethics and and training and failing and and getting better and, and you know, there was a number of things we were compensated for. When I got on the outside, I was kind of sad to to discover that there's one metric of success. You know, the almighty dollar. And if you're making it, no one cares what you're doing cuz you're you're making it. And if you're not making it, no one cares what you're doing. You're not making it, right? So that was a bad day, actually, for me. But So we measure success by really contracts and acquisition with the government because we have found that there's a correlation between having contracts and capital flowing through the company. And, you know, we get more employees and the employees are happier and we can compensate them better. And, you know, so that correlation is, is definitely strong. So, so that's it. So it would be... You know, 
two major contracts. Now, the acquisition process is very, very slow. It also slowed down in the pandemic, so so that's not easy. So we have to, you know, get in there and figure out what we're going to do and who the right partners are and team with them and come up with a strategy to convince the government, essentially make an argument to the government that we can do it better, faster, cheaper somehow. And and so that's all good stuff. So we think, you know, two big wins or and three or and or you know, three small wins this year is I would make it a great year. And do you, do you are you trying to grow the company? Do you want more employees? Is there a number of employees that you think would be well i guess that's a weird because your employee number is is relevant to the contract and what it takes to service the contract you know it's a good question you have to ask yourself when you start a company which which we didn't we didn't ask ourselves this question but you know you have to ask yourself you know is it a do you have a lifestyle company you know do you want to show up and not work too hard but work hard enough and make a good living and kind of keep the machine going you know or do you want to kill it do you want to you know, smoke it and 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 be, you know, Virginia or Washington D.C. Small Business of the Year and bust the small business window cap and flip the company, you know, to some big and and then start again. You know, you are you on that path? You have to decide what path you're on. And 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 the bottom line is we flip, you know, all the time on this. You know, we and and it's it's great to have a partner you know, who mirrors you on this. But when I'm like, man, I'm just tired, you know, uh, you know, that's it for me. Let, let's, you know, let's ease into the winter and then we'll pick it back up in, in January. And my partner will be like, no, no, this is the time. This is the time. Hustle, hustle, you know. And so we, we keep each other on even keel about that. That's good. Would you say that you were ever at a jumping off point? I ask all of our leaders this, right? And what I mean by jumping off point, and it could be professionally or personally, is a moment in time where something's going on, right? And you're not sure what to do. You just know that you can't keep on going, doing the thing that you're doing, right? You can't keep living the way you're living, but you're not sure what to do to do to be different. And so you're at this jumping off point. Yeah, I can remember... You know, the jumping off point, I think to me, I don't have enough self-confidence, I think, to to do that on my own. I mean, the, the, the mark and spark of of successful leaders is, is generally not conferred from within them. It is conferred from the outside of them. Somebody puts their hand on your shoulder and says, man, you got what it takes. Keep hustling. Keep doing it. You know, you. I believe in you. And if you get that, if I get that, if I get that external validation, man, you know, I'll take over the world on that juice, right? I'll, that's, that's enough energy. I'll put that in my tank and burn it, you know, all month long. And so that was about the point that I was doing business and I was not quite happy in the, you know, working. I, I was in a great company and I had good leadership, but I just, I felt like I had more to give and, you know, what do you do with that spare capacity? And, and, and and you're questioning decisions and and then you know I got I got a nice chat with somebody who, who said look man you you can do this why don't you do this you know and so I I got the angst to take a risk that was my jumping off point so and then you know with that I, I always ask everyone about fixed mindset and growth mindset we may not be Michael Jordan but you can get much better at basketball than you are same thing with with anything else that we do right I mean there's there. I always struggled with this up until, you know, a few years ago. And a lot of people have said that they have also is that it's very easy to look at other people that are doing something that we want to be doing and figure 
they've always been doing that right or that they've always been good at it he's doing that because he's good at it and that's why he gets to do it when it's usually the opposite he's good at it because he's doing it right or he just simply started doing or she or whoever and so that would be an example of of me practicing a fixed mindset methodology right that like you either good at it or you're not you're either meant to be you know a business leader or you're not you're and that's a fixed mindset i've learned that the growth mindset is way more healthy and, and something that I practice in my, in my daily life. I mean, what about you? You know, that's an interesting frame. You know, the, the one that I fall back on is I would, for me, I would like to consider myself a fox. You know, I'm clever. I know a lot of things. And so I'm a fox. But most of the business that I do does not require a fox. It requires a hedgehog. You know, the hedgehog knows one great thing. The hedgehog you know, latches on and, and bulls through. And so I think the greatest formula for this, for me, I, my life has to be two parts hedgehog, one part fox. That's the mixture. You know, if I'm a bulldog, if I'm making calls and if I'm, you know, hustling, 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 and then I get to finesse around the edges, that's a nice chemistry for me to do that. And that has seemed to work well, but I, you know, other people, it might be a different, a different mix. But you know, when you when you talked about your mindsets, that's that's what popped up for me. Well, so you, and you mentioned what's the name of this nonprofit again? I want to make sure that that folks can can find that and, and read about that and get to know that. Thanks. That's uh, jumpforvalor.org. Jump for Valor, and so we you know we go to veterans and and uh, transitioning servicemen and veterans and we give them a skydive community and we give them an option you know air therapy we call it a little air therapy our signature move we'll bring you on a tandem if if you want but our signature move is to bring you through uh, advanced free fall to to give you a community to give you you know a social group and to give you an activity if you suddenly lost it after leaving the service. Is there a website or, or an Instagram page or a LinkedIn page that they can be reached at? Or? We're at all that, right? We're a big Facebook presence. Uh, you can go see all the cool skydiving videos and whatnot. And Insta, we're on Insta and we're on Facebook. But And the website is www.jumpforvalor.org. Okay. And what about what about your group? Is there a way that folks that may want to do business with you or they're if they're listening and they're getting out of the service trying to get in touch with you, how would they reach you? We are, you know, it's interesting when you're in the classified business, you know, we don't have a website that's impressive and we don't have, you can't go apply for a job on our site because nobody wants to, says, hey, I need a service disabled small business. Let me Google that. Right. Yeah. You know, nobody does that. So we have a website so that when the government looks us up, it looks like we're legit, right? But we're definitely a word of mouth thing. But, uh, but you know, we can always, uh, you can catch me through the, you, you can catch me through the LinkedIn, you know, I'm a big LinkedIn guy, I'm a small Facebook guy, big LinkedIn guy, but I'll always, I'll always take that. And okay. we're always looking for people, you know? If you had to write a book about your life, what would you, what would, what would the title be? Man, if I had to write a book about my life, well, here's what I know about that book. You know, we're in, we're like in the second chapter. It's a 13-chapter book, man. But yeah. we're like in the second chapter, right? I, there's a whole bunch of... It, maybe it's the unfinished work. That's what we should call it, is the unfinished work. Because we got... I got so many grass fires going on. Yeah. You know, we don't know what this thing is going to look like when it's done. That's great. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being here. And thanks for agreeing to do this. It's been, it's been great chatting with you. Absolutely. My pleasure, man. It's good to see you, Philip. 
Thanks for listening to DC Local Leaders. We'd love to connect with you. Find us on LinkedIn and YouTube by searching DC Local Leaders, on Instagram at DC Local Leaders, or our website, dclocalleaders.com. You can find the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google, or wherever you find great podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time.